0: Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is Episode Five, Penelope McCordy, Giving Space, Act One, recorded July 16, 2016, at Courtney's apartment in Brooklyn, New York.
2: Let's start it up now. Hello, TA listeners. It's me, Courtney Body, Courtney J. Body. It has been a year since the 2016 election, Hmm. and over the course of this year, 2017, I have uh, I have felt high highs and low lows and now towards the end of the year it's a great time to reflect and I have been reflecting over my in-person and face-to-face interactions with people Um, I have been snappy I have been anxious and angry and snarky and I think halfway, about halfway through the year, I kind of got hip to it and was paying more attention and did not like it. So I've been trying a few things to adjust my attitude, to do some self-care and to focus on relationships in my life. Um, Couple things that I've been trying one, I've been trying to smile more. I love to laugh. I love humor. I love anything that, you know, gets a laugh, but, um, I've been actually just trying to smile at people more in general. And that has seemed to help a lot. Even if, you know, it may feel fake initially, those fake smiles turn into real smiles just cause you can't help it. Right. So that's been helpful. Another thing I've been trying to do is, um, be even more intentional and I already try to be before I speak. So really thinking before I speak, um, and trying to intake and listen, um, not only listen, uh, you know, with my ears, but listen to read the room and read what's happening on an emotional level. Um, and not jump to you know snappy kind of con- conclusions. Um, and the way that I'm actually doing that is the third thing that I've been trying is by asking questions as opposed to giving answers or uh, again, sort of coming up with um, troubleshooting ideas if that's what's happening in the moment uh, in order to gather more information, ask those questions, which actually helps me do the thing that I really wanna do is you think before I speak, right? So the more more questions I can ask, the more information I gather, the more full context I may have um, in any given situation that will help me be really thoughtful about my responses. So those are some things that I'm trying. <laughs> Um, and so far, it's, you know, it's working, but it's a, it's definitely a practice. Okay, so in this episode, uh, I interview Penelope McCourty. And I've known Penelope for a long time, and she is a strong woman. One of the strongest people I know. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for her. She is a dancer and choreographer with a rich, experience and, and training that most of which happened right here in New York City. And recently she and I, (laughs) we coined our relationship as a bromance. Uh, And what that means is that we have a real connection and yet, you know, we're not too mushy or mushy with each other. It's very, you know, shoot from the hip, tell it like it is with each other. And I Really, really appreciate and love that about our relationship. And this past, uh, I guess it was September, This or maybe it was uh, it's September, uh, she and I were uh, paired up as a dance duo in Billy Schultz's Danceify That. Um, and if you don't know what that is, look it up. Uh, it is an improv dance competition show. Uh oh. How can I okay? Picture the Gong Show mashed up with So You Think You Can Dance, with costume characters. It's ridiculous and so much fun. And if you haven't seen it or been in the audience, I highly recommend it. I think there'll definitely be more shows in two thousand eighteen. Um, anyway, so this was a this was a new way of of working and playing for the two of us, and it gave our relationship a new dimension. And I'm kind of excited to see where that, uh, you know where it lends itself towards in, in terms of how our relationship grows. We laugh a lot. We definitely laugh a ton in this episode. And I really enjoyed chatting with her, learning more about her experience um, in New York City uh, as a true New York New Yorker. Um, you know, any, anybody who's lived here for seven years or more is considered a New Yorker. But she's somebody who I really think of like, even though she wasn't necessarily um she she moved here but she's a new yorker through and through um so i had a great time i hope you enjoy this episode episode five act one penelope McCordy giving space
3: enjoy well penelope McCordy, do you have a middle name yes Elisa.
2: Elisa. I try that to
3: is... go by that name. Really? For, like, I think in middle school, and it just didn't, it just kept flopping, and I just left it alone. I,
2: you know, Elisa, you're you're like a conundrum to me in terms of your <laughs> names, because when I met you, you were Penny. Yes. And then you made a very distinct choice to change it to to be Penelope. Yes. Which is your name, but, yeah. like, actually be called that. And um, I loved when you made that choice and how clear you mm-hmm. were about I am answering to Penelope. Yeah. Um, So tell me, how would you describe yourself uh, in the state today Mm -hmm. in terms of your artistry? How would you describe yourself?
3: Mm. Well, that's an interesting question. I think um, I've been in this place of, thinking of not thinking of myself in a compartmentalized way. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the teaching artist and then I'm the choreographer. And then I do this, that they all flow. Um, I remember there was this choreographer we had at Victory Dance the first year and she talked about this so eloquently. She said, you know, my life is an artistic practice. So when I think of myself as an an artist today, I actually see myself as having an artful, creative life Mm. and things just kind of, flow in the way that they do Mm -hmm. i think there was a time and it's coming i feel it coming back kind of like a renaissance time for artists where you can do all the things that you do creatively like a good friend of ours wt Mm -hmm. is one of those people right who just does all these different things so i would say when i think of myself as an artist i think of myself as a creative being and whatever i need to create in the moment will always appear Oh, oh. <laughs> I impressed myself yeah. with that answer.
2: <laughs> That's great. Um, so I should I should talk a little bit about how how we know each other. So yes. we've worked together. I think we met in two thousand or was it two thousand four? Okay, two thousand four. When you start you started working for the New Victory, and then you got a, a job, a full time mm-hmm. job, and you left. But you were doing some some. Like independent contractor work with us, so you were yes. doing family workshops and um, other things with us, and then you made a choice to leave that job, and I'll, I'll, we'll get to like the yeah. details of all that. Um, and then you came and started working for us more regularly. I think in uh, 2011 or 2012, 2011, 10. See I my think. dates are all off. Yeah, but um, but we've known each other for a really long we time. Have. Grown up, in fact. Have you, yes. I I feel like more like you watched me grow up, but mm. um, <laughs> um but i i i remember the first time i met you i mean i remember the first time being in a room with you and being mm-hmm. like oh she's smart she's really smart <laughs> oh, like she thank and you, you could so tell much. that there was there was um <laughs> experience but still like growth wanting you know what i mean mm-hmm. wanting to grow and wanting to expand and then you were gone and i was like oh that's a big hit because she was great. And so it was great to be able to maintain a, a working relationship with you through the, the organization. Um, and then when you came back, it was like a no brainer. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And, and look how entrenched you are at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's like, we I don't know what we'll do without you. Um, so none from, of it was planned. N- none <laughs> of it was planned. <laughs> right. So so let's go back in time mm-hmm. before, before meeting me and yes. me having any impact on your life. Nothing happened.
3: There was nothing going on in my life Courtney absolutely Let's, nothing until no. I met you. <laughs> um, so
2: go back to your childhood you know okay. how what you know how did you grow up? Where did you grow up?
3: How were the arts present in mm-hmm. your life um I feel like. I'm in, it's my summers are my reflective mode, so it's really great that you're asking these questions, because I'm writing a script right now for something, Mm. and some of this information, so I'm like, oh, this is great, we're doing the work I need to do anyway. Um, I feel like my family is very artistic, but not in um, a structured Eurocentric school kind of way, Mm -hmm. so, you know, my dad is extremely funny, and a really good dancer, and so is my mom. My mom is... My mom is funny. Yeah, she's funny. But she's a really good dancer. She's a great improviser. Like, I love to watch her dance. Cannot get her to do choreography. She refuses. Oh. I've tried to. I've sneaked it. I've tried to go through the back way. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> she does not understand. She's like, I don't understand choreography. I don't yeah. understand why you do it. Really? It's like, I don't understand why anybody does it. Like, it just feels forced. And I've tried to take her to different things. And she's like, nope, nope. So in my family, though, we we used to dance a lot together, Mm -hmm. um, crack a lot of jokes. I feel like we're always working on a bit, and that's a big part of who I am. I'm always working on a joke or like a turn of phrase or um, I just recognized that recently in myself. I was like, why do I keep saying that over and over again? Oh, right, because it's funny. And I'm trying (laughs) to understand how to make it funnier or I'm trying to understand what it actually means to different people. Mm. Like I just heard somebody, I want to incorporate this so bad. They said, that person's tougher than a two dollar steak. And I thought that was his. <laughs> like, How do I put that in my life? Yeah. I wanna say that often. Mm-hmm. So anyway. I, I th- love I love stealing phrases from other yeah. people and
2: then like making and I also like making up random Me too. randomness all the way always.
3: Yeah. So we did a lot of that. A lot of playing around, creating skits. Um, my brother, m- me, I have, uh, four brothers, but two that I grew up with and I have two cousins who are a little older than me and we kind of grew up as a cohort. So mm-hmm. we constantly, we kind of like the curriculum development team, the teams, like that's kind of like, we like, somebody work on this, somebody work on that. Blah, 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 blah. So that's kind of how my artistic <laughs> life started. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in the first grade, I was living in Panama at the time. And I had a friend of mine. Oh, I went to school on the Canal Zone, which is significant because the Canal Zone at the time was America in Panama. So when you walked on, when you walked on that soil, you were walking in America. And I went to this international school. And I lived all the way out. in. The, I lived like two hours away in the boondocks. And everybody else lived like in the city. Mm. And one of my friends, I can't remember her name, but I remember what she looks like. She was taking dance class and I was watching her practice. And I was like, I want to learn how to do those two steps. So she taught me how to do those two steps. And those two steps often appear in my choreography too. Really? It's interesting, like I practiced and practiced and practiced. I think like the biggest thing was, um, my parents, um, they kind of left us alone to do all of that. They didn't interfere. Which I thought was the biggest gift they could have given us, mm. because it allowed me to get try to get a sense of who I was in, as an artist very early on. Mm-hmm. So by the time I went to high school, I kind of had a good sense of who I was creatively, like the things that I enjoyed, what I liked to look at. Obviously, mm-hmm. it changed as I grew older. Mm. Um, recently, my dad said to me, he has uh, there there are three people that he loves: Tiger Woods. Um, the sister that's always playing tennis. Williams. Uh, both of them play, but yeah, Serena or but Venus. Zine, uh, Serena. because uh, Serena's the one that's like... Const- she's always, she's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Misty Copeland, mm-hmm. who's this black ballerina. So he loves the three of them. Mm-hmm. And he will talk about them endlessly. So one day... Well, they're
2: very... I mean, they are... I, I don't know if Pioneers is... I, I feel like Misty is, but... Yeah. I don't know if Pioneers is quite the right word, but there is they're symbolic, right? Yeah. What's, what should be attainable and what hasn't been attainable and, and what hard work
3: and hard work does. exactly. But also how adults support that Mm, too. mm -hmm. Each of them have very different and unique stories about how the adults supported them or tried their best to support them. Misty had kind of a hard, a hard way to go in the beginning, but she had adults that were pushing her because they could see, I mean, she's a, she's a prodigy. Mm -hmm. She is a prodigy, a prodigy. So, one day I was at this conference and Misty Copeland was there and I get home. My dad and I talk like maybe two or three times a week. Very funny. Con- I'm like, I'm going to record our conversations because th- these conversations are crazy. So I tell him, I saw your your best girl, Misty Copeland, the other day. And he's like, really, really? Where? Where was <laughs> she? It's like a little boy. I'm like, relax. So <laughs> I just said I didn't actually meet her, but she was at this conference. And he's like, Do you, you know her story, right? You know her story. And I'm like... Number one, I know her story. Number two, you and I have talked about her story already, but he proceeds to tell me her story. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and this is the part where I was like, I started. oh, I started tearing up. He said, you know, I feel like as a parent, I did not do for you what I could have done for you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he said, both you and your brother, my middle brother, are artists. And I saw that in you. Like I saw you guys like, you carried out your own discipline. He's like you practiced before you even started taking dance class. Mm-hmm. And had I had more presence of mind and was able to think beyond myself, you could have been a Misty Copeland. And I'm like, oh. oh. And I said, no. It's, that's, not my, that's not my path. Um, but I appreciated that he was able to have that forethought. Mm-hmm. And he felt a sense of guilt. And I said, you know, you don't have to feel that. I, don't, it, I would never have been Misty Copeland. It just wouldn't have happened. <laughs> right. Like, that's not my track. But um, so that gives you an idea of, like, just how my parents are, think of me as artists. Mm-hmm. My, my mom was scared for me. She was afraid that I would fail and mm-hmm. I'd feel horrible. And my dad always felt like, he was like, you're hard headed. He's like, so if you want to do something, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So artistically, that's kind of the environment.
2: That's really, I mean, that I wow, in. that's really fascinating that I, I definitely, I love that, you know, we grew up in the 80s I mean, as kid, like kids, mm-hmm. kids, right? Born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s, and there was a lot of freedom that you, you got, but mm-hmm. I felt at least in my upbringing, anytime I had any sort of, I showed any interest in anything, there was this hard push towards it, which wow. made me be like, no, I'm really? good. Yeah. Anytime that they were like, Oh, you like, you like playing the violin? We'll give you lessons. Da, 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 da. But because it was their decision mm-hmm. as opposed to me asking for it. So just to give you an example, I did play the violin in, in third through seventh grade oh. and I, it by fifth grade, I, uh, yeah, by fifth grade, I was not, I did not like the orchestra teacher. She was, she was just mean in my opinion (laughs) and, and, you know, perceptions, whatever, but I just didn't, I didn't think she liked me. And I don't like being someplace that I didn't feel like I belonged. So I was like, you know, I kind of not, I'm not interested in playing it anymore. And my dad was very upset because there was this practice, this Mm -hmm. rigor that, you know, you need to, you don't just give things up. And I was like, yeah, but I don't enjoy it anymore. Well, that's not the point. But it should be, yeah. it should be. So the next, so there was this whole like rezoning and all the teachers shifted. Mm-hmm. We had a new orchestra teacher and I was like, you know, I do like playing the violin. Maybe I just don't want to be a part of orchestra. Mm. So if I could just go to the classes, that might be okay. So I, the, again, I'm like thinking about it. So the first thing I do is I go to orchestra and I explain in this. I'm now this in sixth time? grade. It's the top of the elementary school. Okay. So now I'm in sixth grade and I go to this new teacher. I've known her name was Miss Dunaj. And I said to her, uh, I explained to her what my thinking is. And she's like, well, actually you can't like to take the classes. Like it's part, like orchestra is a uh, part of this. And I was like, mm, so why? <laughs> and that's what I, I, all people would think that I was like, uh, confrontational mm-hmm. when I was, I was truly like, but why is that a policy? Why is that a rule? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why can't I just play and not be a part of the orchestra? And she's like, well, you can take lessons for that, but hey, why don't you why don't you try it? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm new here. I'd love to get to know you. Why don't you try it for the fall? And then if you don't like it, you can you can decide not to do it. We can make maybe maybe think about it differently. And because she gave me choice, yeah, I was like, okay, I'll try. And then like to the point where and then I became first seat, mm. and and she enrolled me in um this uh, like. I don't know if it's a con but like a music contest or not a contest but something where you like it's called nismal I think and hmm. you, anyway I'm going on and on but <laughs> but the point is, is that because this woman just gave me choice I was then going back to my parents saying I would like to take lessons because I'm going to go to this thing that my teacher thinks that I might be good for yeah. and I want I want the lesson so my, of course my dad was super excited yeah. and happy to accommodate and would go with me to the lessons and then I was like all right back off like, this is my thing, and I appreciate, like, you can drop me off, but you don't need to be in the yeah. room. You know, let me just have this. And then I went to this, this, um, event, and you you basically compete but i i don't remember the competition part but i was really excited i was so i played the minuet and it was amazing and i was so into it and who do i see there but mrs fields the one who was the other orchestra teacher and she was like oh i thought you were quitting and had that same attitude and i looked right back at her at 11 years old had this audacity to go yeah well i have a really good teacher (laughs) I really like her.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then I walked away and then she became my seventh grade teacher and I was done and I was out. Yeah. But that's just to give you a story like that. So you're a parent seeing the artistry Mm -hmm. in you, but leaving you to your own devices versus a parent who can be a little bit of a helicopter what it can do to a kid you know there is there is something about that
3: there is and i think like i kind of lucked out because culturally my parents weren't you know they're not american so for them there's Mm -hmm. like they don't even understand what's happening Mm -hmm. like they're like go get a job (laughs) that's what you do like go like what is this art thing and but i think also they recognize that the reason why they came to this country was so that i could become a dancer like i could
2: do anything do anything
3: you know and so they never like like i said my mom fear because she was just afraid that i was gonna that i i just i didn't understand the she didn't know what i was doing until she saw me perform professionally for the first time and when she saw that she was like I take back everything I said. And how did you? How did
2: that make <laughs> you feel? Like here's here's somebody that you care for deeply, mm-hmm. who is afraid for you, and you're still going for it despite yeah. their fear, and she's not stopping you. It seems right. Yeah. So when she was like, "I get it now,"
3: how did that? What did that mean to you? I think I'm still in shock, and that happened when I was 24. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still in shock. Like I, um, it felt great because uh, my mom and I. Having a, a relationship where um, I, I love her to death. I love my mom so much. And we've had the way that we talk with one another, probably is more like girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's been like that most of our lives. And part of that is I mean, this is really personal, but I grew up with her being very ill. So she was always in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger in New York, she was always in the hospital. And then we moved to Panama. And she was, like, never home. So I had to actually figure out a way to stand up for myself. Mm. So by the time she was no longer sick, I already had parented a lot of myself. Mm. and my at, Well, my parents had separated at that time. So my dad wasn't really around. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time we moved back to America, I already kind of had a sense of who I was. So she kind of just had to get with the program. Yeah, you know I what i mean that. she couldn't yeah. like she couldn't control me because mm-hmm. i was just like i'm on this track um so when she when she said that to me it made me realize that she could see that my stubbornness and my you know ask constantly asking them i need money so i can buy ballet shoes like that was the conversation in our house my mom was like why do you need ballet shoes well i'm like i need two pairs, i need a pair of black and i need a pair of white why do you need those? And then I have to explain, like I have to teach my mom about dance and why you need two different pairs of shoes, why I need different pairs of tights, why those things they could not, it was just like, I don't well, understand if, what I'm sure, Yeah,
2: I'm sure there. there's, I mean, if you're, Whole mode of uh, operation is about making sure that your children are safe and sheltered mm-hmm. and fed. Then that could feel like an extravagant thing, exactly. and like why is that necessary? That is not a necessity. Yeah, you know. So having the but then again, what you just said about yourself, like being able to clarify, like these are the things, these are the reasons why I need these things, mm-hmm. and how it is important that I have these things. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to progress. And they would listen to me. I feel like
3: they are the ones that make. I'm a question asker. Mm. <laughs> and I think they instilled that in me, like mm. ask questions. No, If you hear something and you don't understand it, ask the question. Expect people to ask questions of you and be able to talk about what somebody's asking you. And that kind of was the way that our conversations went as a whole family with our, with our parents. So I, I'm very used to doing that. I'm very used to like... I need $20 for this, why do you need the $20? I need it for this, this, and this, because I need this. And most of the time for them it was just like, we just don't understand what right, is necessary. Right. And then they would give me the money or right. they would. But then by 14, I started working. Every I've worked every summer since I was 14 because I wanted my own money, because I did get a little tired of answering the questions. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The commonalities that I'm having with people mm-hmm. are really astounding. So two, two things. Yeah. One, I feel the same way with my mom. Like, there was a point where parenting no longer happened. Um, it was a break when I was 12. Um, her, she had a job that was in Manhattan, but the the, off, the site moved to Jersey. And commu- she commuted for a year Ooh. from Long Island to New Jersey. And it was just wreaking havoc on her so she actually got an apartment in manhattan Mm -hmm. and then would come home on the the weekends and this was a very pivotal moment you're like i'm 12 Mm -hmm. and it's you and your sister it's me and my sister and my dad okay but now they have what is called a commuter marriage right which they were probably i'm sure there were other things going on but that was just a, a that was the party line basically yeah but what it did was essentially it was like they got a divorce mm-hmm. and then every once in a while my mom would show up on the weekends. But she was religiously home on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But at, at a certain point, like, all, all the responsibility shifted. My sister, being older, did not take on what normally would be, mm-hmm. you know, a motherly role. And so much of that responsibility sort of fell onto me. Wow. And I basically took care of myself. Yeah. So I had to learn how to do the laundry. I had to make sure that the door was locked at night and mm-hmm. the lights were out the food was put away, the garbage was taken out, the bathrooms were clean. Like all of that was my responsibility because my sister didn't do anything and there was no way anybody was going to get her to do that. Right. So at a certain point, and you know, my dad was there, but he was sort of wrapped up in his own little world and he was still parental person, but like my mom became a friend. And so mm. I would tell her pretty much everything to the point where she'd be like, I don't know if you need to be telling me all of that. Yeah, me and my mom, too. I don't know. You don't need to tell me everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why do you think it's okay? And I'd be like, because you're, cause you're like my BFF. Is right. that okay? And she's like, oh, yeah. I think because she and her mom had a very different kind of relationship. It was very confusing to her. But she, at a certain point I, I would be able to make those arguments to my dad and I would have to answer all the questions because he was also a question asker. Mm -hmm. So I had to make the argument and get, get the money or get the whatever, go see the R rated movie when I was 14, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, there had to be an argument in place. Yes. And for her, it was more like, well, what did your dad say? And I'd say, Oh yeah, <laughs> he said yes. <laughs> so you know, like, it. and all the way to the, my like junior prom where I was gonna come home at seven o'clock the next day, yeah. And I had everything mapped out, and I was not gonna go drinking, and I had paid for the limo, and my friends and I were gonna do this, and she was home and he was away, and she and so the weekend before, I'm explaining it to her just so she knows what's yeah. gonna happen. And my dad is sitting there. And she's like, this is not happening. And I turned to her and I was like, you don't have a choice. Oh my God. This is not your choice. Yeah. And my dad was like, she's a good kid. Don't worry about it. Yeah. She's got it all done. It's going to be fine. And lo and behold, my mom, even though she was like, you're right, I don't have a choice. She waited up for me. Wow. But that was her choice. Right. Not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's just a, a, so interesting about like. The argument, the money, yeah. all that. I, I also was working at fourteen. As soon as I got my working papers, I was making I know, my I own was, dough. Yeah, I needed <laughs> to have my own cash. Yeah, it's, I still got an allowance. I will admit, I had an allowance too. Uh, but uh,
3: me too. I mean, i it was more along the lines of like if I needed extra, ca- like they would get like if I asked for money, they would give it to me. Like whatever I needed, I definitely right. always had. But I, there was a moment and with my mom when I was probably about 16, 17. And she was just like, I don't understand why you have to ask so many questions. Why are you arguing with me? And I was like, first of all, you're the one who taught me to ask questions. You mm-hmm. said do not take anything at face value. I love that. And she's like, but I didn't think that meant you were going to question <laughs> me. And I'm like, well, why not? Like, why, are, why would you be the one thing I don't the question? Right? But also my questioning, I found... It, it's really out of curiosity like i'll be like why is that happening mm-hmm. and she i was like you're the one who's taking it personal you're the one who's taking the question as i'm saying something about you mm-hmm. and i'm not saying anything about you i'm just asking mm-hmm. why yeah. why why are you blindly telling me i have to do this i don't know what it means to do it so i'm not going to be able to do a good job so can you just tell me why you want me to do it and she'd be like why are you questioning me i'm not calling you a bad person i'm just asking you why this is happening <laughs> I, I want to
2: go back to um, when you saw your friend dancing, yes, and you said, "I want to learn that." And then, how, like, and then later, you were just talking about the ballet shoes. So, mm-hmm. how did you go from like, "I want to learn that," to, "I'm going to
3: learn dance and be ah. a, the dancer"? Well, I think the decision to to be a dancer came much later. I just danced. I see. Um, so I had that moment that was like in first grade. And then we moved up to Panama when I was in third, I mean, from Panama when I was in third grade. And in fifth grade, I had a very good friend of mine. I remember her name, Sandy Wong. And Sandy used to take ballet class. And we had play dates all the time, and she'd practice. So then I asked her if she would teach me first, second, and third position with my feet and arms. And I just liked being physical. Um, when I got into middle school, I had a middle school choir teacher, Ms. Silverman. We're friends on Facebook. We still talk she um was a great teacher great teacher mm. and she i felt like she saw she saw something in me and was just just gave me space mm. so every friday she had a talent show and um either i would sing or i would make a dance with some friends so i did that for a while but where i grew up um i grew up in yonkers and at the time Um, HBO did a a series about this, I don't know if it's called Show Me a Hero, or I forget the name of it, but it was during um, this time that I was in middle school going into high school, the state of New York was suing the city of Yonkers Mm. for segregation in schools, and this is 1984. Um, So it was a very tumultuous time in the school system, and um, they did a bit of rezoning, and one of the things that they did was created a magnet program. So there was a performing arts magnet. There was a technology magnet. Mm-hmm. I forgot what the other magnets were. And then there was a regular high school. So you could apply. Mm-hmm. So Ms. Silverman strongly encouraged me to apply for the performing arts magnet. Um, we didn't have, obviously, computers, like personal computers, right. or the Internet or YouTube at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would watch dance religiously, whether it was Soul Train or great performances on Channel mm-hmm. 13. I was really moved by um, the corps de ballet anytime I saw any ballet company because everybody looked the same and moved in unison. And that just always blew my mind. And I was like, I want to do that. So I auditioned for the school. I filled out my paperwork. Again, like I did this all on my own like my parents were like we don't know what any of that means so i got my little outfit together and i put together a little solo and i stole a whole bunch of moves from the american ballet theater yes. <laughs> and some and some soul train moves and i had been already improvising a lot mm-hmm. anyway so i just i did oh there's this song by Be- beethoven's fifth mm-hmm. right there's a disco version mm-hmm. That was my music. Nice. Had on um, pink leg warmers and pink capizios and a black leotard. This is before taking dance it's class. Famous. I just happened to have these things <laughs> in my house. <laughs> and I did my solo, and I also sang. And um, I got accepted to both programs. And I think I did a semester of both before deciding that dance was the place for me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it went. And then I just worked hard in class i think by 11th grade i skipped a level i think there were four levels I went from the second level to the fourth level and then just stayed there for the rest of my high oh,
2: where was the school it was in yonkers oh it New was York. in yonkers it was in yonkers oh, yeah yeah and and what was the like uh, so you skipped a level mm-hmm what was the atmosphere
3: it was um the, pr- the dance program itself was really new, mm-hmm. and when I got there, they had just built a dance studio, and um, in the school itself, it was a challenging atmosphere because where that school was located in Yonkers was in a particular neighborhood where there were no black people in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. so, and I lived across town. Where there weren't any black people either, <laughs> so yeah. I went from one white neighborhood to another white neighborhood, but at least in this neighborhood where I lived, I'd been you know I knew yeah, right. you know going there it was it was rough, like it got to the point where um we had uh t v cameras there, like every day, Ooh. we had police there every day because they were afraid riots were gonna break out, then they um closed one of the high schools, Yonkers High School, and Yonkers High School uh, was not really good friends with Lincoln High School. Lincoln High School was the high school that turned into performing arts. Oh. So when this high school closed, all these kids went over here. Oh, and it just was like exploded. I would say mostly though, the adults perpetuated a lot of it. The adults were the ones who were so afraid and so, mm. When you actually just talk to students, we were cool. But there were times where we had to, like, we were sent home because it was like a riot was getting ready to be broken out. So um, that was the general environment. There was a lot of cultures clashing. Mm -hmm. In Lincoln High School, that neighborhood was primarily Albanian and Italian. Mm -hmm. Um, So them having all these kids of color Moving through the neighborhood caused a lot of issues. A lot of neighbors had had issues, but the performing arts or the arts program in general was hot. <laughs> it was hot. I mean, I I loved it. Like I was always I had I took dance two hours a day minimum every day, and then I would skip class and come to other people's <laughs> classes. It was fantastic. I loved high school. I <laughs> had such a great time. So funny. <laughs> I d-
2: uh, that's. I mean, I went to a general yeah. um, high school. Um, I just, I just got reminded of something as you were talking that I, when I was four and five, I desperately wanted to be a ballerina. Really? Desperately. And my parents put me in a class. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, like a toddler class or whatever, like for five year olds, beginner. Yeah. And, um, I really liked it. I was, I liked it, but I was like, eh. yeah. Yeah there's a lot of work. Yeah, I want to be I like, I just liked looking at them, yeah. right? So there was a class that came in after where these, these, I guess they were teenagers. They looked older to me, but I, you know, I was five. So what do I know? But they, ha- they were definitely on point already. Mm. And I was like, how do you get to that? <laughs> and, they were like, and the teacher was like, well, you work very, very hard. Yeah. And eventually you'll get to that, that level. Is that something that you're interested in? And I was like, I'll think about it. But I, but my, I think either my mom or my sister would come pick me up and, um, they were always late. <laughs> so I would sit in the class and watch them mm-hmm. as at least the start, the start of their class. And I was always just enthralled with how beautiful yeah. and elegant and the, you know, they would do the warm ups and on the bar and their hands. So I would be like copying yeah. that. And then, um, my dad, when the class was over, it was a summer pro, a summer class. Right. And he was like, do you want to continue? And I was like, no. Yeah. That was fun, though. <laughs> I, really, I really was. Like, I tried it. I really, like, I, like, I don't think I'll get to that yeah. place because I understand. But I really liked it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> 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 but, like, I just I forgot because, that, you know, and then thinking about your mom about dancing and how, you know, there are just people who innately just have mm-hmm. it in them. For me, choreography is the same way. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand. But I I, and I I, don't know. I've been in your dance classes before, yeah. and I don't know if you notice that sometimes I am just watching. Mm-hmm. Even in line, I'm watching, and I'm not actually – because I have to keep watching before my body can actually yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, But it takes a lot. Like, if I can't get it, it's just like, I'll just keep moving. <laughs> but I'm not actually doing the dance right, move. Right, right. whatever this move is, I'll just do something that looks like it. Yeah. But <laughs> – <laughs> um yeah, I mean uh the, the dancing is is always been really exciting to me. Yeah. Like my mom took me to the ballet and I loved it. She took me to the opera and I hated yeah. it. You know. <laughs> there's something about moving that communicates, like this nonverbal mm-hmm. communication that is really like super exciting. Yeah. Visually for me and like
3: um stimulating. Yeah is that you find that oh most definitely yeah. i mean and it doesn't even have to it doesn't have to be dance i watch mm. people move all mm-hmm. the time and i've always done that i think somebody once asked me because i do a lot of uh text and movement pieces mm-hmm. like when i choreograph for myself that's what i do mm-hmm. and um somebody asked me like well, how did you get into it and i was like i actually think it was watching priests like when i would go to church like all the gestures that they do when they're like praying, and I would just, as a kid, I remember being like, "They're actually talking to God." Like that's what I felt, <laughs> yeah. and it, and so something about that being uh, verbal and also using your body just fascinated me. So I, I like to watch movement, and I'm tickled by watching people do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I le- I have memorized mannerisms on people, mm. you know, yeah. and, uh, to the point where I don't, I don't, I don't tend to do it very often, but I could like, I could easily take on somebody else's yeah. things so easily. Uh, I was telling somebody else uh, that I, for about, I don't know, three years, I just kind of stopped talking. Mm. I mean, not to everybody, but yeah. in general. And I just was watching and taking everybody in Yeah. Um. from like my th- my fellow students to the teachers. Like I remember, even if I don't remember like conversations or anything, like I remember movement. Yeah. And I remember how somebody and faces, you know, and like the shape of their face yeah. and the shape of their, you know.
3: That tends to like leave more of an impression on me than what's actually somebody saying. Mm-hmm. That's so why I call myself a slow processor, because somebody could be talking to me and I'm actually I'm listening, but I'm really more looking at how they move. Yeah. Um, that tells me more. that Yeah.
2: Yeah. It has, I mean, I feel like that tells tells you a lot about people. Mm-hmm. They have like twitch, like you know, things that or they they touch things or mm-hmm. like people. Women who play with their hair all the time drive me insane <laughs> because there's so, there's a reason. Like I and I don't know what it is if it's yeah. like insecurity mm-hmm. or if it's just something to do with their hands yeah. but it, it that I end up just watching that and I'm not listening to anything yeah. you're saying because I'm like why why are you touching your hair so much what, what's that <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> um, and the other thing I just cause I want us to move into why when when the segue mm. of teaching um, happened for you like mm-hmm. why but because uh, sorry something that you said about the teacher that you loved she saw something in in you and gave yeah. you space to, to create your own re- regimen and, and um, work. I see that in how you teach. Oh, I see you give space. Yeah, yeah, lots of it. You know, you sort of create. I don't know if it's a container or a corridor. You create. You carve something out for people, but what they act. But there's so much room for them to yeah. add and and really build and develop on their own yeah um there's something really lovely about that that i don't think al- all dancers hmm. who teach do have that yeah the ability to do that yeah what tell me more like tell me more about what oh, there's so much penelope oh, come on <laughs> come on let's get it together courtney um Let's talk. So when was the first time you taught? So you've been you've talked a lot about people, you know, teaching you. Mm -hmm. When was the first time you taught?
3: Well, um, in high school, uh, the program was kind of pre-conservatory in the sense that we danced every day and we had like specific things that we had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, One of those things was teach. And that's like an old tradition in dance. You start teaching pretty young. If like you were in a studio, more than likely you're assisting a class in your teens, and then you could potentially be teaching a class. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I first first taught was, um, yeah, in high school. Um, I choreographed. Well, I shouldn't say in my first dance because I've been I was choreographing dances as a ki- as a kid from middle school. But like with lights and costumes and i had to figure all that out mm-hmm. was in 11th grade was the first time i ever did that um so yeah that was the first those two, and then i had two really great teach. oh my god my my dance teachers i mean i feel so fortunate i feel like i got a really good education mm-hmm. all around mm-hmm. but those two ladies man They were incredible. Besides the fact that they did not look like what you would consider a a ballerina or a dancer to look like, and they were fierce dancers, right there, like they set the tone of how I saw dance for the rest of my life, just by how they looked Mm. Um, and by the way that they honored all of our bodies. Even though we were doing ballet and doing something really rigorous, um, there was space for us to be who we were. In that, mm. so I think that's when it started. Oh, mm. teaching definitely started for me then, for sure. Mm.
2: And then uh, when, so so okay, we got through high school. So mm-hmm. did you go to college? I did. Uh, and where did you go? Hunter College. Hunter. Hunter, Hunter the um, And uh, what did you study there? Dance. Some more dance. More dance. dance. dance and more dance.
3: I feel like the, I I in some ways I wish I hadn't. Oh only because I live in New York City and I I didn't need a degree in dance. I could have gotten a degree in something else. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, you know, it wasn't really super duper necessary to have one in dance. But And living in New York City... I already had, oh, that's one of the things that my high school teachers uh, did. They made us, well, at least for me, I developed a practice of going to classes. I lived in Yonkers, but I was always in class in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So by the time I graduated and went to college, I already had relationships with different choreographers Mm -hmm. because I'd been in their class. Um, When I got to Hunter... The head of the school, I, re- I did two years at BMCC and then went to Hunter. Okay. And the head of the dance department would not let me take advanced dance classes. She put me in beginner dance classes. But the, the person who taught beginner modern was somebody that I was taking their class at a <laughs> different studio. Right. And so she was like, why are you in my beginner's class? And I'm like, because i'm not allowed to skip i have to i have to matriculate through the whole entire thing and she's Mm. like exactly that's the face she made she was like whatever so she made me her assistant in class okay and i was like okay i can get down with this Hmm. so um i forget the question i think i answered it
2: yeah i don't know if there was a question i was just asking what you studied oh okay yeah
3: (laughs) i studied and you dance. said
2: maybe i should you know yeah studied something else but you so you were working you had built started like so who were some of the choreographers that you'd already been taking classes with
3: um oh gosh kevin Wynne, mark Dendy, uh that particular woman was barbara Fraser. um who else was i t- uh lynn simonson T. Ross, that was my favorite teacher. Just as her vibe as a teacher, she was no nonsense, but not from a place of meanness. She was Mm -hmm. just like, no, I'm just telling you what to do. Just do it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, "Uh, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Um, Who else did I take class with? Oh, and then I met Marlee C.R.B. And I was probably about 22 when I met her. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine, i have been taking classes all over the place and choreographing and um, a friend of mine went to an audition that she had, that Marlies had, and he said, "I think, I think you'd like this work. Like, I think you should like check out this woman's work." Um, and her class was contemporary movement with voice. So you sing as you're, mm-hmm. as you're moving, mm-hmm. um, and you're moving big. Like you're dropping down to the floor, but you're constantly singing. Um, and I loved it. And then about three or four years later I joined her company and then that began my yeah. that process and
2: were you te- so as you were you know launching into a dance career mm-hmm. were you also teaching because that was just a, a yeah. part of the practice like
3: yeah I didn't teach uh, it wasn't the thing that like I lived off of but my first teaching gig outside of like people who I know mm-hmm. giving me like my my college dance teacher gave me some teaching work. My high school dance teachers gave me some teaching work. But my first, like, I applied for the job and started teaching was an after-school program in East New York. Oh, God. Oh, they fired me. That's the only job I had oh. ever been fired from. <laughs> they fired me.
2: Why? They
3: were crazy. They, they actually, they fired, well, this, the short story is, i started teaching i wasn't doing what they wanted Mm. i think that they wanted um something that was more street and i was i thought that they wanted modern dance Mm. and i felt like the students that i had wanted modern dance and needed it even though there were some who were like i don't want to do this and i'm like put down the blue drink and the chips and get on stage and dance the person who was in charge of the program her daughter was in my class Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a lot of ruckus between Mm. them. And then Mm. I got involved in the ruckus. So they said, "Um, we don't like what you're doing. Um, I think I was going to an audition and I was like, I I need this afternoon off so I can do this audition. And they were like, well, if you go to that audition, you're done. And I'm like, are you serious? And they hadn't paid me. I had been working there a month, and they hadn't paid me. Mm -mm. Oh, it gets better. Mm. It gets much better. So there are students that I worked with who were really incredible. They let me go. And then a parent called me. I don't even know how she got my number. And she was like, you should know it wasn't you. And that program got shut down that year. They were a mess. Mm. They were a complete mess.
2: after-school world is a a whole ecosystem unto itself it right really is. um i i think that the dycd is is trying to change that mm-hmm. uh, is working towards you know building really strong programs i, I went to an event um uh, i think it was like march it was this it was definitely this year i went to an event there and the people uh i was speaking about teaching artists mm-hmm. and they all had arts programs or many of them had arts programs and and they were the directors or the mm-hmm. leaders or some of them themselves were teaching artists. And um, they were wanting, you could tell, like they wanted to be able to support the the artists that they're bringing yeah. in. But they didn't necessarily have the resources. The, it wasn't even the resources. It was the it, resources in terms of how. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean how to be that support yeah. not not necessarily about money yeah or even staff power but like how do I support how do I create we create an environment so that an artist can come in and work with our young people and have su- and be successful in mm-hmm. that environment um and and you know it was a one day half day thing so I don't know what the follow-up was yeah. or has been or is planning they're planning on doing I want to be a part of that, though. Yeah,
3: because they (laughs) they need help. I mean, part of it is money because DYCD, um, the way that they hold the purse strings on what you can spend money on Mm -hmm. as an after school program is kind of like they dictate what you can spend money on. Interesting. I think that they're shifting
2: because that, Good. that this person who um, created the symposium was a new position oh. focused on content and quality. Oh, So, so okay. I, you know, there seems to be some sort of shifts okay. there. I, I don't, you know, I need to follow up with mm-hmm. her and find out more, but I'm kind of excited about this. Like, you know, no, no zone, no TA zone. Thi- <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a place where there could be some, some real movement and, yeah. and, and su- by supporting the teaching artists or finding ways to support the teaching artists, or strengthen their skills, especially because so many people who do, um, work in the afterschool se- sector are emerging teaching mm-hmm. artists and don't necessarily have a ton of experience. So yeah. they need, they need professional development. They need mm-hmm. that support in order to do well, that, 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 by supporting them, you're actually being able. You're finding stronger ways to reach your young people. Yes, and that's ultimately the point of the program, right? Yeah. And so helping them to sort of understand, like, when you're supporting your staff and your teaching artists, you're actually giving a stronger support system to your exactly to your, young, your teens or your young people that you're working with. Um, and so I'm interested in that. Yeah, you know, in some way, some way that you know, we'll see how we'll see what happens. But um, gosh there's there's that, that's the other thing like they just threw you out there didn't explain what they wanted and then told you you weren't doing what you right. wanted and weren't supporting you as an artist to go on this audition you yeah know? Know. <laughs> there's just so it many was just, things there yeah it's all but that but that still happens yeah. and so I <sighs> All of a sudden <laughs> i'm angry because i know like when was that like the 90s yeah it was the 90s and that still happens yeah. 20 years later you know like that's not
3: and teaching artists in that sector still get paid the same hourly rate that's crazy. you know it hasn't gone up okay. so i'm i'm happy to hear that shift because i do think that that also for young teaching artists is a great way to cut your teeth Mm-hmm. and that's how I did it and you know I, wor- I worked in quite a number of those programs and learned a lot about facilitation and you know yeah and how to teach mm-hmm. so uh, I,
2: don't, I don't know where I want to go next I'm sorry <laughs> I, I'm what so okay so we haven't really talked about your dance career yeah because um, I'm also interested in general I'm interested in community right so you and you were talking earlier about you know there's there's this fluidity of my creative self and my all the different Mm -hmm. parts of me as one um so like do you see the community your your dance community and your teaching arts community or your arts educator do you feel like they're separate or have you found a way to continue to make those yeah they are
3: yeah and i really am interested in finding ways that that doesn't that we can have more intersection because there is intersection there it's just a matter of like it's funny like I go to a dance event and folks are like oh you teach oh good okay there's a little bit you teach in public class oh oh okay you know there's there's that and I'm like yeah no I'm not I don't teach in a studio I teach in you know on the third floor (laughs) you know at Essen school you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like um and then when I talked in the art education field like i feel like a lot of my colleagues do really actually don't know me as an artist mm. per se or at least my my dance artistry mm-hmm. because i do think that my facilitation and my teaching is is my main art right now mm-hmm. um we yeah. were
2: just in a dance project yeah i'm so sad that i missed that That's but okay. t- you want to talk about that
3: sure um Anne Zerner, who also was a teaching artist mm-hmm. at New Victory, mm-hmm. um, is a choreographer, and she makes a lot of work with community. And she lives uh, in Bushwick. And she there's, um, there's a, a cemetery near where she lives, and she would pass through it all the time, and she would just spend time there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think really kind of finding her own spirituality and she was like, you know, this place is really beautiful and might um, be curious about what it would mean to make a dance here. So actually, she and I were just talking about this yesterday where she said, um, we, we, I told her that people keep asking me about the piece. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what are they asking specifically? I'm like, usually they're like, what, what was happening? Like, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's like, yeah, you know, it's interesting when I first, this is Anne speaking, when I first thought about it, I sent a proposal to the board and they were like, No way is that happening. No way are you bringing dance. Which is interesting mm. because they, Bill Bojangles Robinson is buried there and they do something on his birthday every day. They're tap dancers that go into the cemetery and tap, but they are at like one particular place. Right. We were like, Promenating. Yeah, okay. promenading all over. But then when they met her, and spoke to her was a different situation. I was like, it's, how interesting is that? Mm. That it's your humanity that translated this for them, yeah. and that's what got them to understand what you were doing is and be on board. So um, we basically looked at the uh, stories of life and death, our own, in addition to um, looking at who was buried in, in uh, the cemetery. I was the guide. So i led everybody through Mm -hmm. gave them a little history about the cemetery Mm -hmm. um she it was me about seven dancers and nine of her middle school students new students Mm -hmm. to her beautiful bunch of kids i mean like it's so like i watched them and i'm like oh my god that's me like they were constantly dancing and making up dances and i was like that is exactly who i was in seventh grade exactly who i was and just they're non-stop mm-hmm. they're like okay no let's practice this duet okay five six seven <laughs> eight okay can you do a split let's do splits okay let's try turn like they just keep going and go wow. it's non-stop wow. they're always dancing and then they'll do like no mr zerner said we have to do warm-ups so and they have their warm-up that they do so they tiny oh, so goodness. cute and so sweet yeah. so yes yeah, so that was that project That's yeah
2: And and, when, like between the last project and this one, how long it had been?
3: Let's see, Anne's piece ended like mid-June, I think. And what I'm working on now is, actually, (laughs) what I'm working on now is uh, a sketch between myself, Anne, and another teacher, friend of ours, Mm -hmm. Donna. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting to look at uh, how to uh, theatrically explore my experience as a dance teacher and teaching artist mm. and the three of us have had many conversations about that and the the humorous aspects the aspects that are challenging mm-hmm. so i'm i'm writing a script based on that and we only are doing we're doing it in four rehearsals we've already had two Ooh. we have two more next week then we have a week off and then we'll show it at the pd what yeah <laughs> I'm gonna miss it again. Oh, that's right. Ugh. I forgot you're not gonna be there. I'm not,
2: man.
3: Well, that is that the first time that you've written? No, I. Oh, so before I started dancing, yeah. it was writing. It was writing you
2: chose not to study that in college
3: no and what but did was, you take classes i right did yeah. and i actually had my english teachers actually in college were like trying to push me mm-hmm. to write they're like mm-hmm. you need to write but it's painful <laughs> <I> can, <laughs> writing it writing imagine. is cathartic i'm yeah. like oh it's like birthing a baby every time but you,
2: but it, it matches your slow processing yes you know like you, you, you take your time. You really think, 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 thinkity, think, think,
3: I'll flip it over in flip many different ways. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's like Play-Doh.
3: The first time other people have read my words in performance was two years ago when Ben and Erica joined me for that sol- solo wish. I don't even know what I did during the creativity seminar. Oh. That's the first time anybody's read my, I mean, I've had. I remember that. Yeah. I'm remembering now. Yeah. 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 So, yeah.
2: Wow. I mean, that's, that's also, I feel like, uh, I was listening to somebody talk, uh, the other day about singing and how singing is, it can be quite vulnerable mm-hmm. because it's, it's not like acting, like putting on a character, but singing, just singing a song is, this is something that's coming out yeah. literally out of me to you. And it's so it can be quite personal. And, um, I think writing is the same, mm-hmm. same and, it's the difference can be that somebody else is reading it. Right. Yeah. But, but pouring it out onto the page can be like heavy.
3: Yeah. And know you I mean. know, after it happens, I'm grateful for it. Mm. You know, if I have like a particular thing that I have to write, like I like writing scripts cause I like the idea of writing dialogue. <laughs> It's just like, because I'm always making up stories in yeah, my head anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, and then he said, and then she said, what? And then she, <laughs> I like that, that. but um, journal writing, like right now, my journal writing practice is a hot mess. I don't know what is wrong with me. <laughs> I cannot get it together. <laughs> now I'm trying to just, I'm trying to record uh-huh. just so I can get it down. Because if you see like my recent journal entry, my handwriting is completely insane. It just looks crazy <laughs> and when i'm choreographing that's when my handwriting's the craziest mm-hmm. so it just it's not a good match in a right, lot of ways Right, right, i was walking down the street choreographing yesterday and i'm like you can't do that like go to the park and do that because mm-hmm. i'm like crossing the street not paying yeah, attention to yeah. nothing mm-hmm. i'm just like five and then she hits it bom, bom. oh there's a car and yeah. that happened yesterday i did uh, yeah
2: i have too many big thoughts like they just and they hit and then they don't stop they just keep hitting and then it's like all right i'll write
3: it down so do you do you feel that way like about writing that like okay if i get it out it's
2: yeah because then it's down and then i can refer back to it um right now the way i'm processing is in is in list form Mm. so it's Mm -hmm. not like Mm -hmm. writing out anything and i do a, a lot of my thinking on the subway on yeah. my my commute in in in, in. Yeah. I, I can't think on the way home i can't do anything coming up but yeah. I, but there or you know sitting here uh, you know on my couch and just i have these big thoughts and i'm like all right write it down on yeah. a list <laughs> 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 yeah um but i mean this was one of them like mm-hmm. i started with this as a list And now it's a, it's more of a working list because I have tasks and things that I have to get done and people that I need to contact and all that. But, but initially it was just like, what am I? And then I finally moved that into a, a, like a document. And even that still had like lists and like, and -hmm. it was all
3: formatted and, you know. See, that kind of (laughs) stuff is really, to me, that's choreography. Mm -hmm. Like I just got excited when you said all that. I'm like, yeah, lists, 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 lists. Lists. Well, and when you move like, okay, I can't do this, but I can move this over here uh and like, yeah,
2: yeah. I, but that's interesting because the way I think about um, like I don't teach as much anymore, but when I do, I think about blocking. Mm-hmm. So it's more like it's it's like w- where it will people be mm-hmm. physically in the space in order to do to evoke whatever that mood is yes. or that moment that I'm trying to create. Um, and if I don't know, often I don't know the space before I go in. Right. But if I'm lucky to have gone in there, so for, just as a, so an example, I did a. Uh, I presented a um, the NYU forum in April, mm-hmm. and we were pre- we were presenting on Sunday, I believe, and I went to a workshop um, in the same space that we were going to be in on Saturday. And while I was very engrossed in whatever mm-hmm. the the session was you know that I was also blocking it out because I knew what our lesson plan was. And I was like, okay, if this is a space, like that's where that can go. The gallery could go there. What? Oh wait, mm-hmm. maybe it goes a bit back here. Okay. Well, there's all these like studio. There's all, this is a studio. So there are mirrors and there were doors. I was like, oh, how can we use those? How can, you know? So I was literally blocking out the space, mm-hmm. which was great because my partner wasn't there um the day before so I was able to say this so I sort of was able to then map it out and say this is that and we'll do the corridor of chairs so it's like the show and (laughs) that. so it was all set up so like and we had a lot of stuff too so we had an we had a plan and then we were able to execute because I had that time and that's the way I think you know and then there was like you know more detailed questions in the moment but like so much had been
3: already accomplished that is something i definitely do and it's something that dancers do our Mm. biggest collaborator is space Uh. i'm not sure that a lot of people get that like uh, when we're doing social dance it's very different but when you're doing performative dance you are actually creating images within a frame and so when i walk into a studio or wherever i'm going to teach it's the first thing i do like i go into like i don't even know what it is like a part of myself just disappears and i go okay that can move here that can move Mm -hmm. there okay i can do this here Mm -hmm. oh i don't know about that corner over there like constantly and all dance teachers it's like terminator yeah right that's how (laughs) i see it and like
2: i've done i've been talking to somebody and i i start doing that and people are like where did you just go yeah and i'm like oh did i go someplace i'm sorry but i literally was like designing the space Mm -hmm. and it's it's like the screen, whatever that. Yeah, you, whatever it is, it mm-hmm. just like
3: kind of goes down, and if somebody's watching, I mean, it's yeah. pretty interesting. I wonder. I don't know what it yeah, looks like. I don't know what it looks like either, because I'm I'm hardly there. It's crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hey, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?
0: Thank you for listening to episode five, Act One of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Oh. Body, Penelope McCordy, giving space. Join us next time for Act Two. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Ritz-Totten is the creative content manager. John o. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. Like our page on Facebook. Listen to us on SoundCloud. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.
1: Let's start it up now. 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 now. now.